0: What's up YouTube, I'm Robert and this is the Biker Channel, or the Biker Bar Channel. Here we are on episode 48, imagine that, It's it's been quite a ride so far, coming into season two pretty hot, Um, pretty stoked about that, I'm excited to see everybody that's here. Thanks for showing up. I appreciate that. Good to see you all. Um, Got a few things to say to everybody first before we get started. Got a couple of sponsors for the show. I'm going to talk about them in a second. But first, I want to talk about all you guys out there that are on my Patreon, man. I really appreciate it. You guys make this thing happen on both channels, whether it's the Biker Bar podcast or it's the Biker channel. If it wasn't for you guys on Patreon, honestly, I probably would have quit a long time ago. Um, So... If you're here, you're listening, whether it's, if you're listening on a podcast, actually, 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 man, can I speak today or what? If you're listening on a podcast, do me a favor and swing by that podcast app and give it a rating, like if you're on Apple or something like that, and hopefully it's a good rating. If not, actually, you don't need to worry about it. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Nonetheless, also subscribe and like, I'm I'm trying to hit that thousand mark. We're like 300 away right now. So if you guys can get me to a thousand, I'd be super stoked about that. So. Back to the uh, sponsors, the show sponsor that's been on for a while. You guys heard me talk about for quite some time is Project 321. They do uh, Bulletproof Hub, man. I'm telling you, I've been riding this thing for a long time. I'm not up here just talking about it because he decided to sponsor the show. I really like their stuff. I've been talking about it for the last few weeks. There is is also a code that if you want to use over at the Project321.com website, Biker Bar Baller, so B-I-K-E-R-B-A-R-B-A-L-L-E-R, Biker Bar Baller. No B1, right? Weird. So anyways, if you use that, that'll get you 10% off of a hub or a wheel build. So I mean, they have all the the major brands. So whether it's Envy or Stans or whatever it is that you're looking for, they got all those hoops. So go definitely check out their website and hit them up. Um, outside of that, we have another sponsor, but before we talk about them, I'm actually going to bring on this week's guest and that is skills with Phil or Phil Metz. I think it's Mets. Let's see what it is. <laughs> <You> <laughs> How's it going? All right. It's Mets. It's going? a K at the beginning, man. It screws me up every time.
1: Yeah. It screws everybody up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I think we even talked about this the last time you were on the show and it's just like, for whatever reason, I just want to, want to say commits or something. I don't know. So it's,
1: it's a good conversation starter so.
0: Right, there you go. So um the the other sponsor that I wanted to mention is Tasco. You guys are probably familiar with them. Their website's tascomtb.com and they sent us both a uh, set of gloves and I'm going to go ahead and throw them up on the screen for those of you guys that are watching. And these are their brand new Pathfinder gloves. Um they're pretty slick, man. I actually just took them out of the box. Uh Phil, you said you actually took them for a ride already? Yeah, I did. What'd you think?
1: Yeah, so compared to the old model, uh, they definitely fit a little bit more snug. Um, so I think that's something that they refined over the years and they felt uh-huh. really good.
0: Yeah, definitely putting them on, I, I could feel, and I feel like it's this way with all Tasco gloves, like they're they're pretty tight around the, the wrist. So when I was putting them on, I was like, they don't slide on super easy, but but they're definitely constructed like a bit heavier duty than the regular ones. Yeah,
1: I think this this is going to be for people who like a little bit more material on the palms because they yeah. have a little – the last ones I really liked because it was very minimal. Um, yeah, I,
0: I've been digging the minimal ones lately too.
1: Yeah, and like I, I'm a fan of a nose-trap kind of uh, glove where it's like super easy to put on, but there are people who like a little bit more tighter-fitting gloves, so um, yeah. this is great for their product line.
0: Yeah, definitely, it does have a, a a wrist strap. So that, like you just mentioned, I think that's some kind of special velcro that they got on there. I remember reading it on their website or something like that. But the thing I did notice that I, I like is the gloves kind of come high on your wrist, but then they are they're cut out for like the side of your your like wrist, so that when your hands flexing backwards, that the gl- the gloves not digging into your arm. So definitely go check out Tasco's website. I'll have a link and show more after the show that you can click and get over there. I think it's it also has a discount on it as well. so um, I just don't have it available in the show note more right now. but in the meantime, um, I'm pretty stoked to get these thing out on the trail and see what the, see how see how they feel. Um, speaking of sponsors, I saw a video that you had on your your site a while ago that that you just changed a bunch of sponsors around, right?
1: Yeah, I, so changed, it was more or less, I, uh, I'm i no longer working with Fox, and I think that one's a little bit confusing, because a lot of people uh, confuse Fox Suspension with Fox Racing, and Fox Racing is a clothing sponsor.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Fox has a bunch of brands to them that a lot of people I don't think realize are all separate companies, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were related back in the day, because yeah.
0: um,
1: I mean, I, I'm not like a super nerd on this topic, but... There was um, two brothers or something, um, and it it was one company at one point. One uh, guy took the suspension side of things, and one guy took the clothing side of things. And so if you look at Fox Suspension, it has a tail as a logo. And if you look at Fox Clothing, they have a head as a logo. So one got heads, one got tail.
0: Oh, that's funny. Dude, you're apparently more of a nerd about it than I am. I didn't know that at all. That was really cool.
1: I, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you hear, like, I don't know if it's actual truth or just. Yeah, yeah, or. right.
0: But, uh, no, no, go on, go on. No, I was going to just make a joke. I was like, it's really like two guys arm wrestled and then they split it up, you know. <laughs> it, it sounds like it, that's pretty much what the case yeah. was. I think um, if we just talk about it on the Internet, it'll become the truth, right? <laughs> exactly. We just make a Facebook post and, you know, everybody will like it and share it. Next thing you know, it's, it's fact. yeah um and so back to uh, your question um i'm still working with gt
1: uh, gt i worked with last year and i kind of worked with them before doing some product testing for them back Uh when they were developing a new downhill bike um wow they they needed a downhill racer that was unaffiliated and unaffiliated with a company but who is also talented and since i was a professional downhill racer at the time um, and I rode for a bike shop, essentially. Um, I wasn't affiliated with any specific bike company. Um, mm-hmm. I did that uh, bill. So uh, one of my friends who had just gotten a job at the company, um, I knew him pretty well. And so he reached out to me and it was a pretty cool experience. And then, you know, as my channel grew, this is a kind of opportunity that came up. Um, you know, I saw them as a company that really needed help kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think some of their bikes in the past start to veer off like they were starting to fall off. Um it was for the time it was a great suspension design. But Mm -hmm. um as suspension gets better and better and I didn't think they were keeping up Mm -hmm. as well as they could have and they needed some real help. And so since it's a East Coast based company, um I really wanted to work with them more than any other company. Um I thought like I knew some of the people really awesome people to work with so um, as far as companies go, it's it was a really good fit for me.
0: Mm-hmm. How how long have you been with them? Have they always been your bike sponsor, or do you have another bike sponsor in the past?
1: So I've never had a bike sponsor like this. Oh, okay. So um, this is my like, in terms of what I'm now using as a definition for a sponsor, this they were one of my first real sponsors.
0: Oh wow, right on, dude. They um they have Hans Ray too, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, he's big, big now. I talked to him on the show a long time ago. He's pretty (laughs) cool to talk to. It's funny because I'm not like a guy that knows a lot of pro riders, like most of the pro riders that I know their names I've met in person now, you know, so like beforehand, I really didn't know a lot of guys and um, some of my friends ran into him in Sedona. And they came back to the hotel room. They're like, dude, we got Hans Ray. For, he's going to be on your show. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Who's Hans Ray? You know? And so it's this big joke with us about like, who's Hans Ray? I don't know. Who's Hans Ray? But yeah, no, he's a super cool guy, man. GT, I agree with you. Like, I, I know of them from whenever I, I was a kid. They were a good BMX bike. Yep. And that's the way I remember them. And whenever I got more into mountain biking um I didn't really hear anybody talk about them so I agree with you on their brand kind of like needed some re- revitalization
1: yeah I I mean I I grew up racing BMX and some of my best BMX race results were on a BMX bike uh yeah made by GT yeah and my fir- my first one was made by powerlight which is also uh, at the time was a GT company or a GT affiliate oh, company
0: oh um, I didn't know that
1: but anyway um uh, yeah in like they they actually had a pretty cool design um them uh, mongoose and a few others you use like this iDrive which is like this floating bottom bracket Uh huh. Um, so like you had your rear triangle your front triangle and then the bottom bracket was an, another link and so it wasn't attached to anything.
0: oh okay
1: the the bad like so it pedaled really really well it was uh-huh. really efficient the bad thing about it is the way that the suspension worked. If you're a flat pedal rider like me, because I would, I rode a mongoose for a little bit that used this design. Um, and you hit a mm-hmm. bump, your the pedals would actually kick backwards on you and your feet would come off the pedals.
0: Ah, uh, a little kickback,
1: yeah. And now each one of the brands had a different variation of this design. I think over the years, GT was able to refine that and make it as good as it could get but at the end of the day it was one of the things that um you know i believe they felt was holding them back so they needed to do a whole like just redo of their suspension their product line and yeah
0: yeah yeah i want to say that um that fro- floating brake that eminent uses was part of the reason that they did that was because of pedal kickback and brake jack i think
1: there are a few companies that did a floating break. My first yeah. downhill bike had a floating break.
0: Oh, right on. So you said when you, you first started working with them a long time ago, you were testing to help them come up with a new downhill bike. That sounds really interesting. How did you, like, what does so, that consist of?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, that's giving me way too much credit. Uh, <laughs> I... I, I I was invited to, they needed to get some real world data and do some data logging. So uh-huh. they, um, it was myself, two engineers, a photographer, um, and I think one other person um, showed up at some point. But we literally rented out a mountain for the weekend, and yeah. there was no one else but us. And oh, wow.
0: We like a remote. like a resort type of mountain or like
1: yeah well it was Plattic Hill in upstate New York so a uh-huh. tiny little uh, bike park that um, di- was heavily involved in racing but not yeah, serious, yeah, yeah. just lift service riding
0: okay so you just rented it out then it wasn't a big deal
1: yeah and so um, they have some some of the gnarliest terrain I've ever ridden um, which was perfect for this yeah so they had two versions of the bike they had a 29er version and a twenty seven five version. Uh-huh. so myself and one of the engineers we did a bunch of laps back to back just kind of getting some data some uh-huh. feedback testing it compared to the old version of the bike um just to get some kind of baseline testing and uh it, it was really fascinating um i've i've n- i never done that before and it was super cool to work with engineers and uh give them some feedback um so but yeah. aside from that, like that was like I didn't like actually, you know, do anything beyond that. But... Yeah. yeah.
0: That's, that's um, pretty cool. That's still pretty neat. What's it like working with a photographer, like a professional photographer like that? I know whenever I'm out filming and I'm like walking up and down the hills a million times, I'm like, man, I wish I had somebody else pushing this button. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it's funny. I, I find what, when people are taking videos or photos of me that I'm running worse.
0: No, so really? <laughs> I always look
1: really stiff because, like, you're. It's like someone telling you to act normal. Yeah, yeah. You, you try to act normal, and you're acting normal, so you're not acting normal. <laughs> and, uh, f- like for photos, like you just and video, you just want to ride relaxed because right. that looks best on camera. So, um, it can be challenging.
0: Yeah. And then the, the, just the weather itself too can be challenging. It's like you, especially over there in the East coast like where you live, it's like, it could rain any day. Like out here in California, we know for the most part, it's gonna be sunny, like every day from like May till October, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, the, the photos I think may have just been a little bit more for internal purposes, but yeah, it decided they wanted to use some of it for marketing purposes down the road. They wanted yeah. to make sure they had good photos.
0: Yeah. Well, I would imagine that you've worked with a photographer in other instances, or is that the only, only time?
1: No, I've done some more, but I've never really done a photo, like a huge photo shoot. Um, huh. it's, yeah, it's funny. I don't really have that many great riding photos. The photos I do have were from when I was racing. Mm-hmm. There's always photographers on the sides of the course taking photos, and mm-hmm. you know, um, once you get to know them, they like will generally send you some of their photos. Um, you know, like as long like as long as you're not using it for advertising purposes. Like, so if you put on your Instagram account, they're totally cool with that. But now, if your sponsor takes that photo and then they like plaster it on some like billboard at like whistler
0: mm-hmm.
1: then the sponsor and like the photographer need to come up with a deal
0: yeah yeah what um you mentioned racing you're i think the last time we talked you were kind of like pretty much thinking you're totally done is that still the case
1: yeah i i've i haven't i mean i've raced one or two races since but i've essentially stopped racing
0: yeah what uh, Does that make you feel good or does it make you kind of like you miss it sometimes? I, I sold a motorcycle that I used to have a, a few years back and I get that itch, you know, it comes up like, man, I wish I could still be riding that thing. But on the other hand, I'm like, yeah. I'm glad I got rid of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- there's two parts of me. There's, um, there's this weird thing. I think a lot of competitive uh, riders go through when you don't have race results to back up um, like a lot of your self-worth is based on race results. It kind mm-hmm. of tells you like how you stack up against other riders in the world. Um, and, you know, it's kind of shallow, but, uh-oh, did I go away?
0: No, no, that's me. I'm just <laughs>
1: okay. <on the> camera. <laughs> um, Kind of a shallow <laughs> way to look at it. But, you know, a lot of your self-worth is based off those results. So if you're doing well, you feel real good. But also when you're not doing well, you feel like crap. So, m- removing yourself away from racing, it's hard to just feel like a normal racer because or a normal normal person because you're always like questioning yourself, like how do I stack up against that guy who's winning? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I I don't know how many people can relate to that, but it I've been a very competitive person since I was a young kid. So, removing that competitiveness, um has been good and bad because I hated the stress associated with racing. Mm -hmm. And so getting that away has been awesome. Just being able to go ride and have fun. But Mm -hmm. there's a part of you that always like wants to know, like, how, how, like, how good are you? Are you like, are you washed up? Are you still pretty good?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You definitely are probably wondering, you know, like where where you stand do you use something like strava or anything like that to just kind no. of see how you are no you don't
1: no i i i do i like strava for like recording like where you've ridden like just uh-huh. to like pass that information on to friends or whatever yeah yeah. i personally um don't use it to record rides at all i hate having the slight urge to like really push hard on like even an uh, unofficial race
0: yeah yeah I, um, was a late adopter to it. And for me, it was always like, I don't really care about how I stack up to the rest of the world is care how I stack up to my friends. And after I realized like it, like also just like would catch those segments of the trail, then I was kind of like, well, this is cool. I can like, at least look back and see like, man, I thought I was flying today. And then look at the time and be like, oh no, I wasn't or vice versa, you know, but then also like just to put like jab at your buddy you know where you're like dude i beat you on a hardtail (laughs) you know or something like that it's cool but um i think it has some pluses and some minuses i agree with you there for sure it's definitely um it can have its bad side where it's like causing people to try to run people over and just be ridiculous you know
1: it's definitely i don't know if this is actually true, but like a lot of the shortcuts I've seen on trails, a lot of us like kind of associate with being Strava lines where, you know, the trail used to make this awkward turn and someone would like cut out the inside. And so as you're riding it, the awkward outside line was actually pretty fun, but the new faster line gets burnt in.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I, I hear what you're saying there for sure. And sometimes that's not a good thing because they're not really set up to like, for erosion and stuff like that to just get all funky
1: yeah most of these trails are just like uh not quite as built up so it's yeah make as big of a difference but gotcha like, if you've been riding the trail for a long time it's kind of a bummer to see all of a sudden your trail change on you
0: yeah i know totally there's a few trails around my local where that somebody like decided they were gonna fix quote unquote you know and in my opinion they didn't make it any better <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's like man I really liked that section that was really hard because it was like gave me something to keep trying for. I only nailed it like 7 out of 10 times, you know, so I went you know there was always gave you something to think about. So you were talking about that um that competitiveness in you. Did you notice that whenever you started doing your YouTube too? Did did you kind of get sucked into it that way or
1: N- Yes and no. I mean, there's always the part of you that wants to like be the best Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time like what does that mean in terms of youtube yeah it so what i've ultimately come down to is like i just want to make content that makes me happy yeah and you know um so i've tried to i haven't completely lost competitive competitiveness but i try to put that aside as much as possible
0: yeah it's hard not to you know look at I feel like it it's like a what do they call that i'm drawing a blank on the word right it's like 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 the little endorphins that get released when you're happy or whatever and it's like you get on and you're like look, looking at your subscriber account and comments that make you feel good and it, it gets it gets addictive you know so then I can I, I know for a fact for myself I had to take a step back at one point because I was like man I'm like I'm like really comparing myself to other people in a way that's not healthy. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. I've I've actually gone ahead and like I try not to look at analytics as much anymore. Um, it's which is good and bad. I you want to look at analytics because it's telling you if what you're doing is working or if uh, you know there's some glaring error that you're doing wrong. But at the same time, your self worth kind of suffers.
0: Yeah, totally. So like,
1: it can, um, and then you start comparing yourself to some uh, somebody else who's doing really well, and you're like, well, like, why am I not doing well or something? It's, it's, yeah. I, I try, so I try not to look at numbers as much as possible, but at the yeah. end of the day, it is kind of part of the job, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely tells you some things. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll know it if your thumbnails all screwed up and you change it, and all of a sudden, the views start going up. You're like, oh, okay, well, you know. Yeah, I Obviously. mean,
1: it's funny. Um sorry to cut you off. Um,
0: yeah, no, go, go for it, man. Th-
1: this winter, I was like, all right, I'm going to tr- try something completely different. I'll put up some uh, snowboarding videos. I haven't snowboarded in a while. Um, I don't have a fat bike. And I let, let's see how these kinds of videos resonate. Because there's a lot of crossover between um, out- mountain biking and skiers and snowboarders.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that mountain bike ski or snowboard too.
1: Yeah. And so like the first video I put out did really well. Um, well, I mean, did pretty well. Like as yeah. far as like I was concerned, like, you know, within like two weeks, it had like 90,000 views. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Like this is doing pretty well. And then right. I put up the next video and, um, you know, after 24 hours, it had like, you know, 5,000 views. I'm like, whoa, this is like not like is my like, video not being like shared to all my subscribers? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, you're like something's wrong. And I thought <laughs> That video was like way better. Like I, but whatever. Like it, so that was telling me like that people just don't care about skills with fill and snow. So lesson learned. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's sometimes it's hard. You know what you just said a second ago is like you're you're like man. I thought that one was better. And sometimes I think that's one of the harder parts about doing YouTube is taking your own personal feelings out of it you know you're like man i'm really invested in this video it's going to be so great and like and then for whatever reason people don't and then it's like (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah,
1: i um i i still did a few more videos just because it made me happy and i think the last video um i had haley in quite a bit and it was like we we just watched that the other day and just watching it back was a good trip down memory lane for us
0: yeah Uh, so i enjoy yeah. that part I, i'm i'm not gonna lie I, I watch a lot of my old videos i'll be like having a few beers here and there and i would be out here in the garage and I'm like, oh, i want to watch that one again it was fun you know yeah exactly yeah yeah for sure i saw um you were talking about doing the snow sports on one of your videos and you said you were doing um like bouldering too so you got into climbing as well
1: yeah so when i was in uh college which wasn't that long ago i took um one of like you have to take a physical education kind of class so um i took rock climbing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so i got into it a little you bit
0: you can take rock climbing in college
1: exactly i was like <laughs> <laughs> I that's cool. <laughs> um turns out it was more about tying knots than actually uh, climbing a wall <laughs> great um, but uh no, it, it was kind of gave me a taste for something that I had wanted to know more about. And after that, I started going to like a few bowling gyms, like once every month, but like, that's not enough to um, let your hands develop calluses that you need to climb or to strength. So mm-hmm. that, that stopped. And then last winter, not this winter, but the last winter, um, Haley and I just got a regular gym membership and that was fine. It's better than nothing. But we didn't snowboard or ski la- that winter because um, it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just got really, really bored. So this summer or this winter, we're like, all right, let's actually uh, you know, make sure we stay occupied, do something physical that makes us happy. And so we got into bouldering. And it turns out a bunch of other mountain bikers have the same kind of idea. And it was a fun little like... Uh, it's kind of like sessioning dirt jumps. You show up, you uh, watch your friends like struggle on what they call um, a problem, which is uh, a, just, it's, you know, there's a start point and an end point and the route you take to
0: get to the end point is called a problem. You know, we should probably explain what bouldering is for people that don't know, right? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go ahead? Because I'm 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 going to be shooting from the hip on it.
1: Yeah, so most people, when they think of, like, indoor rock climbing gyms, they think of, like, a rock rock wall that's about, like, 60 feet high. You're harnessed in, and you have, like, those colorful little handholds or footholds that you use to scale to the top. You know, some parts of the wall may be a little bit more, like, inverted. Some parts of the wall for the easier climbs are a little bit more pitched like that. So it's more or less just, like, you know, I don't know climbing a ladder. Um, yeah. but bouldering is usually you're not going any more than like 15 feet off the ground and there's pads all over the place. So if you fall, um, you're probably not going to get hurt unless you fall really awkwardly. Right. And it's more tech technical climbing, uh, that you really have to think your way through. Cause there's the person who makes a route or problem um, has made that with the intention that this hold right here is meant for this hand. And that comes after you use this foot movement over here. And so it's a lot of thinking your way through a problem or um, like obstacle course logically.
0: Yeah, yeah. And while you're hanging on by your fingers, right? Yeah. That's but, a hard one for me. Right? Yeah, uh, I would imagine. That's like definitely um uh, sure a good good exercise, that's for sure.
1: And then there's like different types of like bouldering too.
0: Uh-huh. There's What's
1: like that? So like there's like, you know, once you get into like there's climbing that like re- requires like really like tiny little holds and like it's really like uh crimpy, which I never was good at. I was good at like uh if there's either really big handles or um something else called slab, um, bouldering or climbing, which is more or less like there's not necessarily a handheld hold. It's just like an angled piece of, uh, rock wall that like you can push off of another piece of the rock wall. And if you apply just the right amount of pressure in like different locations, you can hold yourself up. Um, the way I would explain it is like watching someone hold themselves up in a doorway
0: yeah Uh, yeah like when you're a kid or something like that yeah
1: it's more like that uh where you're not necessarily pulling you're like pushing and a lot more balance related i like that
0: right on dude what uh i also saw in that video you were standing on a slack line dude what got you into that
1: well so when like a lot of bouldering places like will have other things beyond just uh the bouldering gyms like climbing walls they had right. uh, a slack line right behind where you would make like, weight uh, your turn and so like as my arms were uh, you know throbbing from trying to do a, like a problem a million times i would go over and try to, to do a slack line which is basically a tightrope and i had tried one a while ago and never really got the feeling for it but since i spent so much time in the gym like the first few days there like i couldn't do it at all to After the first week, I kind of got like a few feet, but it was like my body was shaking like because my stabilizing muscles hadn't developed yet. My sense of balance just wasn't there yet. I knew like what to do. It's just your body is like trying to figure out how to do it. And then after like two or three weeks, I was kind of able to like walk all the way across the slack line. And uh, that's crazy.
0: It's so crazy to me. Every time I look at one of those, I'm like, I don't even know how you get to that point.
1: It's one of those things where, I, like, a lot of times, like, they'll have like handholds to help you balance. Uh-huh. And I think, like, to throw those away. Just start from the tree or whatever the post is, and just really pay attention to make s- subtle, small movements. And just like, uh, put one step, and like, you know, if you can do three steps, that's awesome. But like, just work on doing what you can and doing it well, and eventually you'll get better. As you get into the middle of like there's a um, post here and a post here and the lines here mm-hmm. the middle of the stock line is the hardest part. Cause that's where it's going to sway the most. Right. So once you can get to the middle, you can probably get all the way across.
0: Have you ever done it like higher and higher? Like, does that like up the, the ante or do they just kind of keep it usually low to the ground?
1: They keep it on the ground. I, I'm not interested in uh, like doing anything too crazy. I was just like, it's a really good core workout.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that for sure. Dude, do you like documentaries? I do. I love documentaries, man. And there's this one about um, this guy that's a tightrope walker.
1: I it's think I, I know a documentary
0: you're about to on a Wire. Oh my God, it's like a <laughs> freaking bank robbery. For those of you guys that don't know what I'm talking about, this guy basically is a tightrope walker and he just decides to like go do it places where it's illegal. So he like, does it on Notre Dame in Paris and um, like some other famous bridge down in like Australia. And then he decides somewhere along the line that he wants to do it in between the world trade towers and they're still being built. So him and his buddies are like dressing up like UPS guys and all this stuff, like trying to sneak their gear in. And like, it's just, really fun to watch but to think about somebody standing on a freaking wire like that high in the air is just like oh my god it made me like just get all like weird inside just watching the dude
1: that movie was awesome like it's kind of like oceans 11 meets documentaries
0: yeah yeah i think they did a movie too and when i watched the movie i didn't like it as much as the documentary I thought the documentary was more fun because it was like the actual guy and he's got that like French accent and just like, it's kind of quirky the way it's filmed. And I don't know. I really liked it.
1: I guess I didn't know they made a movie out of it. I just knew about the documentary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was like a few years. Out. I think the documentary did so well that they decided, you know, Cash do in. That, you know <laughs> right. So I was joking around with somebody just the other day. Did you watch the Tiger King thing? I did. You know, somebody was saying oh they're making a movie and I'm like why would you possibly make a movie about something that everybody already knows like the story like what's the point like it doesn't even make any sense but that's Hollywood right
1: I mean it's like all the documentaries right now like after they're done they do that follow-up like where are they now kind of video
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they they did something similar to that too they added an episode on that Tiger King thing What what yeah. is there any other documentary that pops out to you that you could think of that it's like, man, that one's my favorite.
1: Uh, well, um, in current events, um, I'm not a basketball fan at all, but I watched uh, the Michael Jordan one, um, The Last Dance.
0: Yeah, I keep hearing about this, and I really want to check it out. What 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 was it that you liked?
1: I don't know. I guess it like I I was born in 1990, so um, I I guess I was I was eight when that whole thing happened. And like you know, so as a kid, like my thoughts weren't that lucid like i just like Uh you know like space jam Uh, (laughs) woohoo and i didn't really know much like much about um michael jordan beyond uh or the team beyond what you would hear in the news like i again i didn't really care about basketball so um i i knew very little Uh, so to me like you know even learning about dennis rodman um you know, who's like this, you know, I've always known him as this crazy kind of person and kind of learning a little bit more, like he's still kind of crazy, but, um, there was a little bit of method to his madness and that was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, those, those stories are pretty interesting. man. I, I like those as well. There's been a few that I watched on some musicians that you're like, Oh wow, man, that really like kind of shed some light on it, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I'm always a little skeptical of with documentaries is like, who is uh, funding or who who's a production company behind the, you know, the documentary? I know for um, The Last Dance, I know Michael Jordan's company was somewhat involved with that. So you're like, All right, I heard some not nice things about him, but this movie did a pretty good job painting him in a real... Uh, good light um so i always try to like take it with a grain of salt
0: that's one of those things i learned in college that i think was really valuable probably one of the most valuable things i learned in college was that like looking at things from that perspective and thinking about like who paid for this or like tearing apart the argument in your mind before you just accept it you know i feel like a lot of people don't do that like i was making that joke earlier about putting a picture on facebook and unfortunately like that's a proof of what i'm talking about you know where people just buy whatever image they see they're like oh okay cool i believe it you know and then they base their life around it it's like what the hell man Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's crazy so um you said that the rock climbing was essentially just just tying knots the class that you took in college
1: yeah um the teacher that we had um awesome person but um it focused a little bit less on the actual technique of rock climbing and more about, uh, getting you prepared to go on a rock climbing adventure. Um, and I think most people in the class would have just been happy with, Hey, I want to climb this wall a few times and get better at climbing a wall versus knowing the things that come way down the line when you're ready to go, uh, you know, go up like, whatever though one in uh, uh california that i can't think of but it's on the background of my desktop
0: <laughs> you know what if i, if I would have cut you off in the middle of your sentence i would have said it el capitan
1: yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's i'm glad it came back to me otherwise i was going to feel like a complete idiot right
1: thank you for saving me
0: <laughs> and uh, there's another one there too that people climb half them as well so um but anyways, the reason I was asking you about that is because the comments were blowing up earlier and I saw it on your channel as well. Um, you did a little different kind of knot tying, not too, too recently, you uh, tied tie the knot with the lady, huh?
1: Yeah, that uh, that happened on January 2nd.
0: Right on, man. Congratulations to both of you guys. Thank you. you guys have been together for a while now, huh?
1: Yep, uh, so I met Haley while we were in college. She, so I, I started school when I was 24. I went back when I was a little bit older. Um, And so she was an upperclassman to me, but age wise, I was older. But once she, so we started dating, but once um, she graduated, um, we, you know, and I graduated, we moved in together after that. And, um, but all throughout college, like it was a, you know, it just, Felt right. I've never felt a relationship that like just felt more natural. Like, um, so, yeah, it was awesome.
0: Right on, man. You guys always look like you have good chemistry together on the, the camera. So, I'm I'm sure you can fix that in the edit. But,
1: (laughs) I mean, like, as with anything, like, there are times where you step on each other's toes. But like, you know, we don't yell at each other. We're usually pretty like. I, we need some space and move, like, you know, come back, talk about it. Um, and, you know, a few relationships before that, I was in a really like bad relationship. Um, n- not so much in terms of yelling, but I didn't realize I was in a very manipulative kind of relationship.
0: Yeah, usually when you're in one of those, you don't know it until after you're out of it. You're like, oh, my God, how did I not realize what was going on?
1: Yeah. And so that I didn't realize, but kind of gave me some PTSD moving forward into like future relationships. Uh-huh. Um, and so I know with Haley, I was always like, you know, kind of, is she playing games with me here when she's was just honestly being straight up front? And I just wasn't right. used to that. That I was like, Oh no, yeah. she, she's real.
0: Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with my lady. Like she's not the type of person that says go and she doesn't want you to go. You know so it's like I'd ask to go somewhere, you know, hey, mind if I do this with my buddies, and she'd be like, Yeah, go for it. And I'd be like, So does she really want me to go? Or you know what I mean? Like it took a while to just to be like, No, that's she would tell me if she didn't feel comfortable with it, you know what I mean? So that's definitely a plus to have that kind of relationship. So you so you said on the video you guys uh just did like a, a no ceremony kind of thing, went down down to the courthouse or something?
1: Yeah, so um the I mean no one ever teaches you like what the steps are to get married. Um, it's right. just something that like it's probably and,
0: so, on it somewhere,
1: right? I well, I mean, <laughs> getting married without a ceremony is kind of harder because you, I, I'm not religiously affiliated with any you know church or anything, so I can't like just walk across the street to one of the churches and be like, hey, um, can you just kind of marry us right now, like, um, and so the they're it, like just trying to figure out what you need to do to do an informal wedding or like marriage was pretty interesting like it like no one ever explains that like uh, hey that's an option you you go down to the courthouse you get the application or um whatever it was called um and then you find in um i think in vermont it's uh minister of the peace or something like that
0: yeah it's um, familiar i've heard that before
1: and there's one who in the burlington area who kind of does a little bit more unofficial uh or less kind of uh, normal ceremonies uh that we contacted with um and you know we met at like a pancake place so we went out back to where there's a nice little tree um place and you know, I, I don't cry very often. Um, I don't really get like emotional. But like when she was actually reading our vows, like I, I got very teary eyed. And like, it's hard, like, when you're not used to that. So it was, uh, especially when you're looking at uh, your future wife's eyes, and like, um, it, it it was way more special of a moment than I ever anticipated it being.
0: That's awesome, man. I mean, it shows you really love her, dude. You know what I mean? Like, that's important, you know? And I think that that's really, really cool that you shared that with us because that, that was probably a very special moment for you, you know?
1: it, it, it It's, you know, I, I try to keep... It's hard to find the right balance of, like, sharing your personal life yeah. and keeping people involved in, like, things that matter on the channel. Um, So yeah. to me, like, this is one of them that it's, like, it's pretty personal, but I also, like, you know... You know, if this is going to be on my
0: finger, like in the video, yeah. people are, are going to be wanting. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of people in the comments at the beginning. were like, what's that? What is that? A wedding man on his finger? They're all freaking out and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm sure, you know, that's a pretty big challenge of like how much you share. I'm, I'm definitely like a open book kind of guy. And sometimes I have to tell myself like, wait a minute, dude, like this is out there for the whole world. And like, it's going to be there forever. So, like, you know. Maybe you should really consider what you're saying.
1: <laughs> it it was also weird because like growing up, like I was like wondering, like, how do you know when you're ready? Like, you know, like you know when is the right moment? Um and I it just feels right. Yeah. It's hard to
0: explain, but it just feels right. Were you guys engaged very long or we didn't get engaged? You know, just so we're like, hey, it's time. Let's go down here and do this. Yeah, we're, we're pretty
1: like matter of fact. Like when something makes sense to happen, like for something to happen, we're like, we'll we'll go do it.
0: It's really cool. Did you guys do any kind of uh, honeymoon or anything like that? Or
1: no, I mean, we I think we uh, spent a little extra at the pancake place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the big brunch, man. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I'm super stoked for you guys. That's that's really cool, and I wish you guys the best, man, for sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, for sure. So your channel's getting um getting pretty big now. I see that sign you got out there on the wall behind you. Is that the uh, that's the 100,000 um button back there?
1: Sorry. You got a little uh, burp going on. Um yeah, uh it's it's funny like a- anyone who's on YouTube for long enough, you'll see your channel go up and down or go up at different rates. And I feel my channel really uh it grew really quickly at first and then it kind of plateaued and i think i'm i've been riding a slower plateau of uh um it's been growing but not as fast as it was at one point
0: yeah what was the point where you felt like you started plateauing what number
1: um i would say 200,000
0: uh-huh somewhere around um, Started. Yeah,
1: that I and I think you know part of it was at one point I was doing two videos a week. I was doing a kind of a skills related video plus a writing video. Um the thrills with Phil Stuff, and like I saw my channel just blow up in terms of numbers. It was just like mm-hmm. like I think one month I got close to fifteen thousand uh subscribers in one month, and like back then that was huge. Yeah, I mean that's still huge. Um
0: yeah, I know totally. I'd like to get 15,000 subscribers period. <laughs> it's
1: there's it's funny like the the thing about growing is uh you start to the people who were with you from the beginning uh-huh. start to be drowned out by the people who just discovered your channel and mm-hmm. so your your audience changes.
0: Yeah. I've heard Seth talk about that before you know, where he's like, you know, super fun when you have 5, 10, 15,000 people, like, like it's real easy to have like almost relationships, like conversations with these people, you know who they all are. And it's like, once it hits a certain number, it's like so many comments on there. You can't even like, you're like, I don't know who any of these people are.
1: Yeah. And then like, some people like really start, uh, you know, then the negative comments come in and like, depending on your mood, the, like, you know, no matter how many positive comments you get, yeah, one negative comment will always go for the jugular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and or maybe it's something like that. Like, it seems kind of uh, innocent. Uh, or, um, and for a while, I was really, uh, you know, I I've always had a weird speech pattern, speech impediment, and I, like I'm very self aware of that. And then when people like like to bring that up, it, like, it, you know, you're like you think to yourself like man like do i really sound that bad like even like as you're trying to like work on it and enunciate in um it's just one of those things where if you have any kind of insecurities it will bring that out
0: yeah they sure will i remember we talked about that last time was it just um I can't remember. Did you have some kind of hearing loss or something when you were younger or it was just like a speech impediment? And
1: Yeah, I well, I had a speech impediment, um, but I also lived in France for five years uh, from when I was like nine to 14 years old. Uh-huh. Um, so I never lost the speech impediment. First uh-huh. the I maybe slowly started to grow off it. And I'm not even sure if it's technically an impediment. It's in speech. I couldn't say my R's.
0: Uh-huh. Um you'd be failing at being a pirate, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ow, ow, ow. <laughs> um and when I like so when I lived in France, I learned to speak French fluently, and that's why I spoke on a daily basis at school and whatnot. Um and I don't know if when I came back, I just had a French accent, which it could have been because i was literally speaking to the point where no one could tell i was american right right but when i came back i spoke really fast and i spoke kind of funny so a lot of people could not understand me
0: yeah that's lame you know and people are like you know they're just their own insecurities i guess that's why they got to do that kind of stuff because i mean I mean, it's high school and middle school,
1: like, yeah. like you. Can, I think I've heard it's gotten better. Like people are a little bit more accepting, but uh, you know, kids are kids. Like, there's only so I mean, much.
0: comments on any posts on the internet. You know, it's like obviously there's still a bunch of people that that haven't grown the fuck up yet, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, that's one thing you realize as an adult. People yeah. don't necessarily become more of an adult; they just become yeah. older.
0: Yeah, exactly. Isn't that the truth? That's, that's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I was asking you about uh GT earlier and um, how is it that you went about getting a sponsor with YouTube that would differ from how you would go about getting a sponsor as a pro rider?
1: Yeah, that was weird for me. I, I felt like because I was a pre- professional racer um, and I always have to like explain when I raced professionally, I never made any money except for what I made for getting on the podium or whatever. Like you'd get like a, you know, the most I ever won was like a thousand dollars, which at the time, a lot of money, but how much you spend to get that a thousand dollars, it's you'd be lucky to break even.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: Um, so anyway, what, when I was racing, I never got paid. I at one point I got a free bike, a complete bike, which was pretty sick. Um, mm-hmm. so free parts were what I considered sponsorship, right? And I don't these days I don't consider, especially on social media and YouTube, that is not sponsorship, that yeah. is um, maybe product support, product flow. Uh, yeah. but I think it's really important to explain sponsors are people who actually. Not only support you with a product that you, they want you to represent, but help
0: you pay they, your bills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: And so I've had to be really careful with the terminology I use because I want to explain, like, you know, if I get something for free, that's not a sponsor. Yeah. But I'll also explain that if I bring attention, I got that product for free and yeah. it can skew my views. Anyway, that's a yeah, totally. candidate.
0: It, it, yeah, no, totally. I think that you know a lot of guys that are starting on YouTube like they'll throw the word sponsorship around a lot easier because they want it to sound like they're like maybe being more cool. successful. Yeah, yeah, right. So like, it feels good, you know. Yeah. Growing up, like being sponsored was like the coolest thing ever, and now yeah. that
1: I'm in this situation, I'm like, you know, there's something cool about being you know sometimes buying things on your own and having no strings attached.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I don't care how indifferent you try to be on your channel. Like when you do have something for free, like you do have a different, it it does give you a bias. Whether or not it's one that really changes your opinion, it does give you a bias. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I try not to focus too much about talking about products um, on my channel. I I know I do talk about products, but a lot of the products I do talk are about um, I talk about companies that I would use when I wasn't sponsored by mm-hmm. those companies, but since you're now sponsored by uh, th- those companies and you actually do believe in them, it's hard for you to not be like aware of the co- conflict of interest, and so a lot of times yeah. I sound very robotic if I talk about products, and so yeah. it's something I hate doing, um, but. It's also part of the job because like there's some really cool stuff that's going on. Um, you know, Onyx, that's a new sponsor for me this year. They were a spot or I ran their hubs because they came on the noble wheels and they were truly one of the coolest things ever because they would make the video sound amazing because you'd actually hear the like tires hitting the dirt. But not only that, the engagement was like, like nothing I've ever felt before, but unless you try it for yourself, it's hard to explain how that feels.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, another thing with with sponsorship is that you get to know the company very well. So like, you'll understand what some of the reasons are behind the decisions that were made or like, somebody's like, Oh, I don't like that company. Cause every time I try to order them, they're sold out. And you're like, Oh, uh, well, it's because this one supplier that they have in, you know, Indonesia that like their factory burned down, you know, and it's like yeah. and and to them they're like, "I don't give a shit about that. Do you don't want it to buy that thing and it's not there, you know?"
1: Um, so going back to your point about uh how has it has it changed? I fe- um going from gang sponsors as a professional rider to a I guess YouTuber. Um it's been a challenging was very challenging for me because it's hard to determine what your self-worth is when i was racing i was stoked if i got something for free right um because a lot of times companies were like oh here's a 30 percent discount like great so now i'm like buying into a club membership like is this part of like some multi-level marketing you know
0: yeah i've talked to some other people about that before with some of the bike companies where they're like hey we'll give you this this sponsorship and then you're like wait a minute so you want me to pay for the bike and then you want me to market for your company. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah.
1: If, if I have one piece of advice for kids looking for sponsorship, go through your local bike shop. Your your local bike shop, if you have something of value to give to them, uh they, you know, they will have, you know, they might be a distributor for multiple bike companies, multiple brands of like handlebars components. Mm-hmm. And so you're not necessarily tied into one particular company you're just they have a bunch of products in their store and so it's a little bit more freeing um Mm -hmm. and you know supporting a local bike shop is pretty cool
0: yeah yeah for sure and i think you know with those local shops i mean they're they're having to do more and more to stand out than they did in the past so there's probably a lot more opportunity there as well
1: yeah and it's also hard like because if you think of it, it's like for a local bike shop in you know um bakersville california wanted to sponsor me I, how how much is that actually going to help them like yeah. my, my friends in vermont aren't going to go drive across the country to california to buy two right
0: right yeah yeah i've thought about that with this uh with this uh podcast where i'm like oh i could probably talk to some like local brewers around here and maybe get them to sponsor some shows and it's like okay well I mean, how many people are they really going to be able to touch that are going to be able to buy their beer? Like, I feel like, well, maybe that's not fair. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bother, you know? Yeah. And I got people listening all over the U.S. And it's like, here's something that sells in Sacramento. It's like, well, that's not really helping them out much, you (laughs) know?
1: (laughs) So I I think for me, the biggest thing was I worked with an agent um, that, Uh, paul Panther, um like he Mm. was agent for a few of us um and he had worked at pink bike and kind of understood the landscape a little bit better than um i did like how much uh, pro riders got paid and what the value of you know a view or a hundred views were um and all those things um Mm -hmm. and so um working with him that one year really helped kind of me self like a sense of self worth like this yeah. is what to expect yeah um, and it, it def that helped aim like bring more structure to what i do but yeah. made me like be able to support and actually do this full time
0: yeah and i think you know there's a big thing it's like you know socially it's not really acceptable to ask somebody like how much you make you know, and, and maybe with some of your good friends, you can like say, well, would you get on this? Or would you get on that? And sometimes maybe you're signing something that says you're not allowed to talk about it. So it's like, I feel like a lot of people in this space, you're left to just kind of figure it out on your own, you know? And, and then you find out like, Hey, this person made this much money. And you're like, Holy cow. I didn't even know that was an option, you know, (laughs) like, so I think, you know, Paul's a good guy. I saw him on the, the chat earlier, you know, I think he's helped out a, a handful of people that way. And I think the, the same thing goes also, you know, with the pro riders and stuff like that, you know, it's like one guy might be getting a free bike and thinking that's what the deal is. And somebody else is like getting a big, big chunk of change, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, both, I,
0: both doing the same thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, I I think when I was racing growing up as a kid riding, uh I thought like all the pro athletes um who are winning in the pro category, um I thought they were like, you know, you know, rolling in money or whatever. Uh, maybe not that's not the right term, but yeah. they're well supported. Um Yeah, and, yeah. Well, it turns out that they had a landscaping job uh during the week. Yeah. Um, so,
0: it's like some of those things, like with actors too, man. I remember seeing like, uh, I remember when American Pie came out, Where right? was that like like too, were you too young?
1: No, I, you know, oddly enough, I, it was my generation, but I just, I never, I know of it. I just never watched yeah. it. Yeah.
0: So anyways, that movie came out. It was like huge, right? It was a big hit. Like everybody, everybody had seen it. And the one guy that pe- plays like Stifler on the, the show, right? Or on the movie is like, you would think i mean he was in this major movie he must freaking have like bank and then i remember he was on like MTV cribs and it was like dude had an apartment like i did you know it was like (laughs) obviously he's not freaking like making this that that kind of money or he wouldn't be living there with a roommate you you know (laughs) well funny enough
1: i just saw something on reddit um i think it was was it method man i it it was some hip-hop artist who did uh a thing on uh MTB cribs and Uh you know he just had a regular apartment, you know, like it was messy, unkept. Um, but the thing that like came out um in the comments is a lot of those MTB uh (laughs) I want to say MTB cribs, MTV (laughs) cribs, they actually wanted the people to rent out an ultra like luxurious uh villa or whatever for Mm -hmm. the episode. So oh, I think wow. like that happened with like y- Ja Rule, the Yingying tr- twins and whatnot. Uh, oh, they're just
0: like fronting it, huh?
1: Yeah, they're, they're literally walking <laughs> around a, a place that they've never been in before. Like, this is my refrigerator. Let's yeah, let's Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's part of the image, though, right?
1: I, yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks because like that. I don't know. I don't think that's a good image to like, you know, like 50 Cent, I think, was, turns out he was renting his fleet of Ferraris or something. Like, yeah. Like, do we really want to like tell like kids that like you need to have a bunch of cars that you never yeah. use to be successful? Yeah. Like,
0: what is it really doing? You know? It's yeah. It's kind of crazy. But I don't know. I guess maybe if you're in that situation, maybe you understand it more. I don't know. From, from my (laughs) perspective, I'm like, I always thought like, if I was the person that made a bunch of money like that, I'd still live pretty modestly, but
1: I mean, I will will say like, you know, I was a kid, I watched MTV cribs and you would always be kind of like disappointed when like someone would come on and they would have like a week house. But now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, you live that modest life. Like, like, like to me that's cool like when someone who has the means to buy the nicest thing just drives a honda
0: yeah i feel like like just be happy so like i'm not a person that really needs super material things to be happy so like life experience is more it's like exciting to me so if i had you know boatloads of money it wouldn't be buy a bigger house it would be like go other places and travel more. You know what I mean? Like yeah. experience my life more instead of like having bigger bills to pay. I think I, I la-
1: definitely agree with that.
0: I think last time we talked, you were still not sure about where you were going to settle down. Have you guys like pinpointed that or
1: Yeah, uh that I, I'm not gonna let the cat out of the bag.
0: Oh no. Wow. <laughs> Came on a little secret there. You almost got the gem um, on the biker
1: bar podcast. But um, yeah, so we we're we're pretty certain we're gonna be in this area. All right on, dude. Well that's exciting, man. There there's definitely a period where uh, I think like a lot of people who watch my videos don't know where I live. Like a lot of yeah. people are surprised that I live in Vermont.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the area that you're from, too, right? Like you were up there for a long time.
1: Um, I, for the most part, especially when I started the channel, I was in Keene, New Hampshire, which is, um, Keene is like this forgotten southern west city of like 25,000 people in the Mm -hmm. southern west part of the state. Um, Most people who go to New Hampshire will never go there because they're they're going to uh, a different part of New Hampshire.
0: Right. They're just driving through.
1: Yeah, and so it's close. To, it's more close, uh, closely related to Vermont than it is New Hampshire, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's still New Hampshire. Uh, it's got some Massachusetts kind of qualities to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, that's where I went to high school. And when I was done with that, like I'd spent like some time on and off in Connecticut throughout my whole life, some time in California throughout my whole life. But um, after I graduated from high school and I was racing and whatnot, and then after a while, I figured out I should probably go back to school um, for something that's a little bit more, uh, you know, reliable than racing. Mm -hmm. And so I went to school in uh, Western North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And this is before Seth had moved to Asheville and whatnot. He was still living in um, Florida at the time. Right. And uh, so... I spent some time over there, loved it. It was awesome. Um, and I, I could definitely see myself getting back to that area. Um, but when I got back to New England um, and, the, and moved in with Haley in this area of Vermont, um, I really, it just really grew on me. There's something, I don't know how to explain it, but when something feels right, it just feels right. And this yeah. is one of those places.
0: I'm from Pennsylvania originally. And you know, one of the things I miss about back East, like that area, New England, I guess you could say, I don't know if you count Pennsylvania and New England state, but close enough. Like the four <laughs> season, the four seasons are awesome, man. You get like, you know what I mean? Like you get all four of them. And so like fall is beautiful with all the leaves and then like having some snow on the ground. It's fun, especially as a kid going out and like sledding and stuff like that. And then spring comes around you're like, finally like able to get outside and summer is hot as hell with all the humidity. And so you're like in the creeks, in the pool or whatever, you know, just having a good time. I, I just, it's, it's definitely fun in my memory. I can understand why, uh, why you would feel the way you do.
1: Yeah. I, you know what? I will also say that since moving from, uh, so Keene was like essentially two hours South of where I am. Um, mm-hmm. And the, difference between those the two hours in terms of like how winter is is huge like
0: yeah
1: here there's actually like a lot of snow um not compared to colorado but a lot of snow for the northeast yeah um you know there's a reason why people come to vermont to go skiing um yeah yeah totally and i enjoyed it more when there was more snow on the ground because it felt more like winter when Mm -hmm. you have the cold but not the snow winter sucks
0: yeah totally because
1: you're going skiing on ice if you do go skiing like your trails are frozen so like it's i don't know and bundling up to go fat biking is only so much fun right Um, right so i i i've definitely come to enjoy this area because like it has a legit winter and
0: you can Mm -hmm. do things what do you um what do you like most about the train there as far as riding goes?
1: Um, it sounds very nerdy or the dirt. Yeah. Um, there's something very especially so Vermont um geographically has a few different types of geographic regions um mm-hmm. and where you are, I like I don't know the names of any of it. I just know when you go there the the train is much different. So, mm-hmm. um you know, in some areas you have more granite rock, which mm-hmm. is um, that stuff is, you know, really dense. It's doesn't break up. But then you go to other areas of Vermont has a, more of a shale rock that breaks up very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other areas, it's close to Lake Champlain, which has really fine um, silt soil. And it's mm-hmm. uh, so it makes for a really nice trail surface.
0: Oh, nice. Okay.
1: And so there's a lot of different um, areas that you can go to and they all have different kinds of riding. Mm -hmm. But um, the other thing that about Vermont is like, it's all pretty small. Like it's not really, you know, people like flock to kingdom trails, kingdom trails, in my opinion, like is a great place to go as a family, but as a rider, it kind of bores me. Like it's not my favorite place to go. Mm -hmm. I still think it's a great place and it's doing a lot of good things. It's just, there's so many other things in Vermont that I would prefer to ride. Than... That's like a
0: park, bike park kingdom trails.
1: Um, It's complicated. It's a... <laughs> so kingdom trails is a. Well, disregarding the fact that they're going through some uh, issues right now. Kingdom trails is a series of trails built on people's private property that have given them access to uh, okay. use their trails Uh, and that's very typical for a lot of Vermont, except in Kingdom Trails, um, you have to buy a pass to ride those trails. Uh Um, but there's different zones, like there's different parts of the towns that you can ride. And then there's Burke mountain, which is the, like a ski resort, Mm -hmm. but it also has lift service mountain biking. And that's Mm -hmm. where, uh, the EWS was supposed to take place um this year
0: mm-hmm. oh, and wow, that wow. has
1: legit gnarly gnarly terrain
0: uh-huh um yeah i'm sure but, if ews was going to be there
1: yeah and like it's that's kind of part like, that's part of kingdom trail area but that itself up on burke mountain i don't think is part of kingdom trails but I, like i don't know enough to really say that with confidence
0: hmm So, um, is that your favorite place to ride or you like some other stuff around there instead? Like if, if I was coming to visit, where would you take me?
1: So the place right now that's blowing up, um, and doing really well is the whole area of Chittenden County slash, um, uh, Washington County. So that encompasses, um, I, I would take you to a bunch of different places because there's so many places all within 30 minutes of each other. So mm-hmm. you'd have to spend multiple days and we'd go wide. Uh Perry Hill and Waterbury, we'd ride Kitty Hill and Stowe. We would then uh hit up on Ben & Jerry's on our way back. We'd go to Cochran's, which is a nonprofit ski resort that offers um have you heard of uh Untapped um Untapped um You've probably seen them in the bike stores, uh, untapped like goo, and uh, they do like, yeah, I think tours. I've
0: seen that before. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's literally right down to like literally right down the road from me. All oh, um, right, on. and they like so as you're riding up Cochran's, you're literally ducking under the sap lines, which collect the sap to make those products.
0: Oh, that's neat, that's really and cool.
1: That stuff is used to put back into the trails and whatnot, but anyway, um. So definitely Cochran's. And then there are a few other places scattered around the area that are worth visiting. Um, but there's also a kind of thing in Vermont where you kind of have to spend some time to get to know the area. There's mm-hmm. not necessarily one iconic destination. because mm-hmm. um, What's the time- writing
0: like there? Is it like, like out here in California, we have these like grinder climbs and then a big downhill. You know what I mean? We don't usually have. We have some that are like up and down, but most of our trails are like that. You know, it's like big climb and big descent, you know.
1: So most trails are all single track, single track climbs. Mm -hmm. Um, So very rarely are you taking a fire road or double track up the hill. Mm -hmm. You might use it for like a short little bit, but that will just get you across this one section and then you'll jump into the woods. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the climbs are meandering, but also kind of technical because we have plenty of rocks and plenty of roots. Mm -hmm. Um, And depending on the trail conditions that can be easy on like a dry day or really hard on like a slightly moist day.
0: Yeah. I remember Um, riding back in Pennsylvania when I was younger, it was like super rooty and just a lot of like, just rock baby head kind of stuff sticking out all over the place yeah um
1: and so i would say we don't necessarily have huge elevation game gain, gains and huge elevation drops mm-hmm. nothing super steep but the quality of the dirt that you're riding on super uh, fun. It, yeah it, it again it's something that like there's lots of loam and the again it's very silty soil so it's very mm-hmm. pleasant on your hands
0: yeah o- outside of home where's your favorite place to ride so
1: um i mean i, I do go to bike parks a lot so highland mountain we, we have lots of bike parks in the area that we can go to um, i mean
0: like geographically like would you say like oh okay. sedona or when i went to new zealand or you know what i mean like
1: yeah I'm, whistler uh, you know <laughs> there's definitely something about whistler and like the greater area of british columbia that's like uh uh-huh. You go out there and it's like, whoa, like these are mountains are not like messing around. Right. And water's bluer than any water you've ever seen. Um, and I like I like going to Whistler in that not feeling like normal, like that feeling special.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, but also I like the Pacific Northwest because like that they have a totally different building style than we do out here. Um, yeah. Totally different terrain uh and then it's north interesting carolina.
0: how the building style is different ge- geographically as well but it's funny that you mentioned that because i didn't really think about it much until you said that but even like what we're writing in tahoe compared to how they build in like san jose like demo area is like way different you know
1: yeah absolutely yeah um and then i, I went to school in north carolina and so a lot of the stuff out in pisgah i really like it's gnarly um and
0: that place looks I, I super know. fun man
1: well pisgah is like hard to qualify because like there's so many different parts of pisgah
0: yeah i heard Uh, it's like really big like really really big it's not like it's like some area like i would say auburn and has like 50 miles of trails it's like hundreds and hundreds of miles of trails over like different cities right
1: yeah. And like Pisgah, like there's two like separate parts of Pisgah. Essentially there's uh-huh. the Pisgah that I rode up uh, near Boone, which is not too far from where I went to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think technically it was Morganton, which was an area that I used to ride. Um, but then you would drive like an hour or two away and you'd get to the Asheville Brevard, like Pisgah ish area. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a Pisgah that most people know about. So the mm-hmm. stuff that re rode was a little bit, uh, less tamed and less maintained but like um it gave you a good thrill
0: mm-hmm. that's pretty cool i was uh looking at your videos and a bunch of your recent videos are all like 30 minutes long and i think that everybody has these like numbers that they feel like are the magic numbers What what is it that's making your videos come out to be 30 minutes is it something on purpose or
1: i so it's I the first one I did I kind of tried it as an experiment I'm like I'm gonna just put up this really long video and see how it does mm-hmm. um and because what I found is a lot of times in my videos like my, my video style has changed many times throughout my YouTube career yeah um, and like e- even some of my videos I feel are like totally different from the video I posted next week yeah um so for me like the the writing videos i really wanted to give people those videos i really want to give people the sense that they're on board they're they're flying the wall experiencing a day through my eyes mm-hmm. so i stopped looking at it from an artistic point of view like i did with some of my other videos where i wanted to make sure they're like extremely well produced i want to still make them well produced, but I also wanted to give the sense of immersion of, Mm -hmm. um, and I think in order to do that, you need to take the time to showcase everything that's happening,
0: Mm because there's
1: a lot that goes on on the day that does some pretty cool stuff. Right. Um, And I found myself liking some creators who are posting really long form videos, that I really got to know them a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, it might not be as flashy, as, like, digestible. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know, like, in today's day and age, we want that two-minute video where we can watch it and then go, I don't know, watch another, like, GIF or whatever. Um, yeah. It's nice to be able to to get to know someone over a longer period because then it mm-hmm. really feels like you know them a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. not, not to mention... In terms of the watch time, which is like a metric that YouTube grades a video really heavily mm-hmm. in terms of his success, like those videos were performing really well. Um, right. And right. for me, riding is something I do pretty naturally, so it was fairly easy to put out some of those videos. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like if I'm riding with Winmasters or Blake Sampson, these are really fun riders to ride with, and they might not get the opportunity to see these riders ride um, from a perspective of someone that my audience can relate or not relate to, but knows.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm following you, dude. Hopefully the rest of the internet does. And if not, screw them. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Dude, I totally had something I was gonna ask you now. I can't freaking remember what it was. Oh, that's the story of my life. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tell me about it. So um what is what what's what's something that you think you might have done differently, like looking back?
1: Um in terms of YouTube? Yeah. Um I would have dropped out of school. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just not even bother finishing.
1: Nope. I I I wish I stopped. I wish I listened to my intuition. Uh huh. Um, well, you
0: went to school for business too, right? If I remember right.
1: Yeah, and so at yeah. one point I was racing professionally, doing YouTube, and uh, uh, doing Did I say doing YouTube? Yeah, you did. Okay, I was racing you did it two professionally, times. <laughs> going <laughs> to school, uh, going to school for business and marketing, uh-huh. and uh, doing YouTube. So I was doing all th- three of those things at once.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a busy and, life,
1: man. And. For me, like, racing was fun, but I, like, saw it writing out on the wall that, like, this was not something I could make a career on. Right. YouTube was, like, something that, like, S- Seth, um, Brian, uh, Alex, myself, were all kind of, like, the only ones at the time, um, and then, uh, of course, uh, across the pond, you had Jim Yen, um, mm-hmm. and that was it, and to me, I was like, like, there's something here, like, something's happening, but... Yeah. I had to dedicate a lot of time to, you know, my studies and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I definitely found that I was like wishing I had more time to focus on making videos and get those Mm -hmm. videos out. Um, And especially early on um, in business, there's this uh, uh, term called time value of money, where a Mm -hmm. dollar in the past uh, is worth, worth more than a dollar now. Because mm-hmm. the power of what you can do with that dollar, you know, if you invested that $1 in Apple way back yeah. in the day is worth a whole lot more than that $1 that you have presently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so if I had more time, I wish I could have spent that making more videos or really kind of honing in on the direction of my channel.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like if you were doing the 30 minute videos back when you started that it would have the same effect that it does now? My assumption Mm -hmm. is that with the bigger following, it's easier to get people to watch that. I don't think you could start out the gate, make a 30 minute videos and be successful.
1: No, because when I started, um, you did not have to, but like six minutes was like an epic that like you couldn't make videos much longer than that. Yeah um so you know i, was I don't to think explore. i've ever
0: made a six minute video i'm i, I talk too damn much <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so for me like i was trying to cram a lot of skill tutorial stuff into a video that was hopefully like about four minutes long wow and it was really hard to you know i would have to really like go to the chopping block to cut out things that I thought were pretty important pieces of information, yeah. but also like points of the video where I thought it would lose people's interest. Mm-hmm. And so there was this conflict of, of like presenting information and also playing to what YouTube's looking for, which is audience retention. And it, mm-hmm. was, it, it was, it's frustrating. Yeah, um, yeah. But if you go back before skills with Phil, my channel was like Phil Mets MTB and, um, mm-hmm and uh my was that a separate
0: one. channel or it was this nope. one just it was named different
1: i like i changed my name on youtube like at oh, okay one point. after i okay. did my like first skills tutorial and uh-huh. i like that that series was going to be named skills of phil
0: uh-huh
1: um but it just had such a good ring that i just all right that's Stick a good channel and it
0: yeah right on Yeah, yeah
1: um but before that i was doing a lot of building videos or Uh building issues uh, because my buddy had uh, a piece of land and he asked me to build a pump track for him. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't document the process of building the pump track because I didn't know how to use a camera. I Mm -hmm. didn't make cell phone cameras, weren't a uh, thing or if they were, they sucked. Yeah. Right. Um, And so I didn't have a camera. I never recorded anything that I did. Um, I wish I did in retrospect, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, eventually I got a GoPro and I decided to document the process of me restoring this pump track. And, you know, a lot of people, when they hear about pump tracks, they think about, okay, it's like this boring little two turn thing. No, this was like this intricate piece of art. If I'm going to toot my own horn (laughs) woven in the thicket of the trees in New England, that like had various gap lines and all these like intricate different options that like, uh-huh. I could spend hours there and not get bored.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, And it was all built by hand.
0: Right. Uh, I remember one of the, the first videos I saw, it was like you like packing a berm or something like that. You were like teaching how to do that. And I was like, this is pretty interesting because it's not something that I had ever been influenced with, you know?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, I was maintaining a berm at, uh, when I was at college there, we had a, you know, a collegiate mountain bike team in one of our, places that retrained was the dual Psalm course. And, you know, I spent quite a bit of time maintaining that. And, um, that's one of the videos I did make.
0: Yeah. When, um, so you said what you would change is dropping out of school. Do you think that what you learned in the business and marketing school though, really plays into how you run your YouTube channel though? I mean, you,
1: so that's tricky. Um, because I think I, learned some of my professors were very smart people and I definitely learned a lot of good things from them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know after my sophomore year if like the information was I think a lot of the stuff that I learned in my first two years was actually really good information. And mm-hmm. then after it was just like um there's some really good you know needle into haystack pieces of information but then there's also a lot of like fluff yeah i mean so um you know in the big picture do i regret going to school heck no because i met Haley. so i I met some of my best friends um and so like in the big picture is definitely worth it
0: yeah i know what you're saying though about the school thing um i know when i went to school for it like i always tell people i learned almost everything that i needed to learn in like the first two or three classes that i took after that, it was like, dude, I could, I could learn this on my own. You know, like it was more practical to be working than it was yeah. to be going to school.
1: Yeah. It was also a little bit frustrating. Cause like a lot of like concepts like you learn through YouTube are like being your own, uh, I guess, boss, like through YouTube. Cause, yeah. like, um, you know, when I started YouTube, there is a lot of stuff like that. You had to do back then that you like is really easy or way more s- simple now. Yeah. Um, like y- there was no mountain bike audience on YouTube. So mm-hmm. um, you had to, you know, really pay attention to SEO and think about what, like what terms people are using to search for your videos. Mm-hmm. Now that's not quite as important. Like um,
0: the algorithm smarter.
1: Yeah. They, um, But you know, so a lot of the things that you learn in school are very basic and not exactly practical. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and, you know, I I would say some of the most important stuff that I learned in school was how to like really, really use Excel to like some pretty cool like uh, do some pretty cool things.
0: Yeah, right on. I would have never, I would never put Excel and cool in the same sentence, but I'll let you do it.
1: I, 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 I I had a professor that made Excel like awesome. And yeah,
0: I can, I can understand, man. Sometimes though, dude, I I tell you what, I'll like do something trick in that program. And then I forget it all by the next time I use it. (laughs) So anyways, um. When you were getting started, I was talking to Seth a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about like, basically like you and him were kind of some of the bigger channels when you guys first started. Do you remember when you first met him?
1: Yeah. Um, I reached out to him. Uh, so going back when I was at school, um, uh, my freshman year, Haley and I did a road trip down to Florida um, for a mountain bike festival in uh, Ocala for the Santos mountain bike festival. Um, Because it was like the only place that you could ride at that time that was warm. I had a new bike. It was, you know, I just wanted to go ride. And like, I just started dating Kaylee. So we went on a seven day road trip uh, with like barely any showers. We slept in our car and we rode a bunch of cool places. Uh, But the next year, we wanted to go back to Ocala. And in the meantime, I had kind of like seen some of Seth's videos pop up. And I was like, well, he's in Florida. Uh, I don't know if he's going to go. I'm just going to shoot this dude an email and see if uh, he wants to, I guess, collaborate. It was weird because I had never really met anyone from the internet before.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, Because I was still kind of strange back then.
0: Yeah, yeah. When about was this? Like what year?
1: I think this is 2015 or 2016. Uh-huh. So
0: 15? your channel would have been about how big at that point?
1: Um. I'm thinking ten to twenty thousand.
0: Uh huh. So Seth it's, was probably not much bigger than that.
1: Yeah he he was always like at that point he was like a third to two thirds bigger.
0: Uh huh. Um. So he might have been around fifty k or something like that.
1: Yeah, I, it's hard to to remember. Yeah. I know he was bigger, but yeah, um, yeah, I get it.
0: I'm just trying to get a feel for it. That's all.
1: Yeah. Um. So and, you hit him so, up. Yeah, and you know it, it was cool because like I think we were the first mountain bike collaboration ever on YouTube.
0: Yeah, right on. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Do you and remember I, when you met Alex?
1: So I I'd watched a bunch of his videos because h- him and you know the gang all went to um, uh, why can I not think of the Moab? I know Moab, what you're you are talking about yeah Moab yeah. Um, those videos exploded and yeah, I finally met Alex for the first time when he came up. Uh, to do the new england sampler uh series with me
0: you know what he told me on the show when i had him on well he said yeah, he remembers when you guys met each other that you told him i didn't really think you were going to be this smart <laughs> 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 he said you guys had some kind of conversation and it was like a little deeper and he's like i really just thought you i didn't think you had that much depth to you or something that long that line So it was pretty funny he's like you got to say something to Phil about it it'll be hilarious it's funny.
1: Uh, I I don't remember that per, like that specific moment, but I can definitely like acknowledge that feeling because a lot of times what you see on camera is just like a small sliver of somebody. Yeah. And yeah, so if yeah, someone totally. wants to judge me by what they see on my videos, they would come to that
0: conclusion. Oh, dude! You, like you're telling me something. <laughs> 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 Look at the guy with all the beer bottles behind him. <laughs> That's funny. So is there anybody on YouTube that you like fanboy about? I don't like know. It- if,
1: yeah, I guess fan fan. Uh, I mean, I think at one point in time, everyone fanboyed over Casey Neistat, but yeah. um, uh, I think you're looking for a little bit better answer than that. No, I, I don't think it matters. Um, I So if I was to see uh, Marquez Brownlee, I think that's one person I'd be kind of starstruck. Oh yeah. And like, or the closest to starstruck. Um, I don't know who I, that guy yeah, is. Can you tell me? Uh, who it is? MKBHD does tech review.
0: Oh, cool. Okay.
1: Um, and I've been following him for a, ever. Oh, and yeah. I, I'll, I'll I'll throw Philip DeFranco in there. Yeah. Um, I think like... I would
0: I would say like Peter McKinnon. I don't know if you know him. He's like a camera oh, yeah. guy. And uh, I really like Mike Boyd. Have you ever watched his stuff? Oh yeah. He's like uh, for those of you guys that are listening. He does videos on like how to do stuff that's like mundane like how to rip a phone book in half or but he like times it so it's really cool it's like he,
1: he, he did a video with uh ben cathero
0: yeah i saw that like back whenever his channel was pretty small too
1: yeah his well, channel was had a substantial or Cathro's channel was pretty small at the time
0: i think ben's was too or mike boyd's was too because his he blew up like overnight like he like oh, he found a sauce. yeah yeah no he definitely hit the jackpot when he figured that one out so that's crazy too I mean, it's like there's so much content out there like it's just hard to like ha- hard to like wrap your head around you know what I mean
1: yeah um but if you're asking like are, are those the channels I necessarily like watch the most i I would say there are other channels that I wouldn't necessarily fan- fanboy over if I saw them uh-huh. like oh that's cool that that's that person that's pretty cool
0: yeah what do you what do you um, what channels do you like to watch
1: lately i think uh the channel well there's like five channels i watch on a regular basis Uh um the most recent one is the channel name is just someone's name andrew camarada and just a dude who lives in upstate new york and so the way i found out about him is kind of funny because it's related to mountain biking i met him um his sister um at a small there was a enduro race and his sister was running a um stand doing women's apparel um and down the road i was you know i'm always looking for business opportunities so i was kind of thinking about um maybe doing my own product line at some point so Mm -hmm. i kind of um this is when i kind of got the feeling that uh fox was starting to stonewall me and uh they weren't going to renew their contract so i was like mm-hmm. I um let's come up with another plan so mm-hmm. i reached out to her about you know what it took to do what she did and then in that conversation she's like yeah my, my brother has a youtube channel i was like oh, that's kind of cool uh I'll, I'll check him out turns out like he has a pretty big channel and mm-hmm. like he takes um he's just i guess a contractor who documents his projects, but like uh, that involves like, Oh, my excavator just broke. Uh, I need to diagnose and figure out why this isn't working. And like, he will like detail every little bit that you like feel like you understand what's going on. And then like everything like it, like he does, it's like, okay, that's, you know, I understand how to do that now. Right. This uh, like shipping crate container castle as his garage and, you know, like it's it's, <laughs> it's stuff that he doesn't necessarily have like the flashiest equipment, but he like gets the job done and it's like impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um you said there was five altogether, what was something yeah, on?
1: about five. So other than that, um I really like Wendover Productions, um, which you've probably seen at some point. He does a lot of kind of informative kind of content.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, like a lot of stuff about airplanes. Uh-huh. And uh, he has, like, another channel that's a little bit more funny and, like, lighthearted, uh-huh. uh, CGB, C- CBG Gray-, C- G- C- P- G- Gray, which is in the same boat of informative stuff. Like, I'm not really into politics, but if you want to know how a political, um, I guess, the well, ele- electoral college works mm-hmm. or runoff um, elections work he did a very completely unbiased using animals explaining how, you know, um, how it works out, how it works out to in the U S where we only have two parties. Yeah. yeah. Mathematically that, but anyway, he does a lot of weird stuff and you never know what the topic is going to be, but it's going to be interesting. Um, And then there's another one that's a little bit more related to uh, civil engineering uh, called uh, city. Beautiful. It Mm -hmm. just talks about, you know, some like, you know urban design stuff that you would just overlook um, yeah and how it has a huge effect on how people uh you know commute through a city or mm-hmm. whatever like how zoning like really can like make or break a town and like w- weird stuff like that i just like knowing stuff
0: yeah i think i think when you said earlier that you like documentaries and judging by the type of YouTube that you're telling me about, I can understand you're an inquisitive person. You know, I, I I like to say that I like to learn, you know, and I think that's why I enjoy watching that kind of stuff because I feel like I'm always learning and um, that's fun. I mean, I like to be entertained too. You know, there's like hot ones is just, you know, entertainment, but it's I, really fun. <laughs> you, know? you know,
1: I I, sh- I should have thrown hot ones under there too, because I do watch that quite a bit, but it's more or less like, I, I need something to watch. that's 30 minutes long. What's the latest Hot Ones episode? I don't think yeah described yeah. subscribed.
0: Yeah, it's easy to like, you're like, oh, I'm going to eat lunch. What am I going to watch? I'll oh, throw Hot Ones on real quick or something like that. <laughs> did you see uh, the interview I did with BKXE last week?
1: I did. I, I, I've i been thinking <laughs> about uh, picking up that bomb hot sauce along with, I, I was hoping, like, I really wish Hot Ones had a, a pack. full Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, like I, I would totally get that in, uh, you know, suffer. Like, I think at Christmas time, a lot of stores had like the knockoff crappy versions of it where they had yeah. a at scale. My sister got it for me. It's actually oh, pretty yeah. fun. But, you know, I, I want to taste like the real stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't understand. I am 100% with you. Like, I don't understand why they don't have a pack that's like season four. And they're all like little bottles that are like big enough to just like, have the taste on a couple of wings you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then you'd be able to go through the whole lineup that they use on season four or season five or whatever it is like and i would pay more for that like obviously like a you know like was a bottle like 10 bucks a bottle i mean i'd probably pay 50 60 bucks to get the lineup and just to try it you you know what i mean
1: yeah Uh, like i would love to see that
0: i've been so curious about that bomb sauce for so long because like i've eaten some pretty hot stuff here and there, and I, when I first started eating wings, like, I didn't even really like hot stuff at all, like, I remember going to Hooters and getting, like, mild, and being like, whoo, that's a little warm, you know, (laughs) and, uh, like, you know, with anything, the more you do it, the, like, the more, the better you get at it, right, but that one, it just destroys everybody on the show, and so I was always, like, how bad is it, you know, like, how bad is it, it seems like that
1: one's more about how bad the taste is. Like there's no I, redeeming qualities.
0: I think that's what it comes down to is like, it just smacks you in the face with like, to me, it tastes like battery acid. It was like no flavor whatsoever. Like you get burned by battery acid and then all of a sudden your mouth's just on fire. You know, it's like, all right, there you go. <laughs> I kind of yeah. wondered when, when I did that with him too, like, you know, when you're on the show, you're like eating things that you're like leading up to it. I wonder if it's not as bad if you you've already like kind of been been warmed up a little.
1: I mean, I think Sean Evans has talked about that. That so like sometimes they'll do like the ones where like the like cast will come out and do the last wing with the uh, the main person being interviewed. Uh huh. Um, and like he he's said it himself that it's harder to do just the last one than it is to like yeah. gradually go through emotions
0: that guy's a champ man just watching the way that he like can keep his stuff together dude
1: he's awesome like i he's like he is great like at what he does and
0: yeah um, i actually go ahead go on oh i watched a video about him just recently just to like he was on a podcast like talking about how he like researches people and stuff it was pretty interesting because that
1: the philly d uh i think he was on a conversation with or he did another one with h3h3
0: i think it Um, might have been h3h3 that he was on yeah it might have been that one or i don't know i was just it caught my my feed you know and i was like oh this is interesting kind of goes along with what i do biker bar but i mean the people that he's looking up are so different than like the people i'm looking up you know like like they're like these huge stars or whatever he's like yeah check the local newspaper i'm like i can check the local newspaper where phil lives there's not gonna be any stories about him (laughs) (laughs) i hope not yeah or i'll be like digging for a while you know what i mean like so (laughs) that's funny what do you um what do you want to do with the channel that you haven't done yet so
1: um it's going to be so i've talked about this way back and it's been a slow process getting um get like you know things take time and like so i if you go back in some of my early videos or some of the old interviews um i said this a long time ago that my biggest goal is to eventually open up my own bike park Mm -hmm. um at it still seems like it's way way far away there are so many things i need to do um myself before i ever get to that point
0: but what is it that's appealing to you about that?
1: I love building. I love I I love being able to I want to build all of the crazy things that are in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wanna be able to um because like I, I love riding, but I also like building in more of an artistic sense, something that people like to ride and it's also a puzzle figuring out how to drain the water so it doesn't erode the trail, mm-hmm. uh, build stuff that looks appealing and rides, like, there are so many things that I like about building that fulfills another Mm -hmm. need that um, and I like, frankly, I'd also like to be able to build uh, a place where that has a smart way to progress your skills. And I, I haven't quite seen I've seen like, you know, progression areas. But to me, like, they always it's like you draw the circle okay now draw the rest of the owl like
0: yeah yeah
1: you you left out all the other steps and i like to me like a lot of people can learn how to mountain bike and do a lot of cool things on a mountain bike without a coach if they have the right environment
0: yeah that's a really good point man you know there there's i've seen some stuff like maybe in bentonville that looks like they have like that like progression training down pretty well. But I know for me locally, like I've said that a million times, like I wish there was a place where it's like, here's the one foot jump and then the two foot jump and then the three foot jump and they're all next to each other and you can keep doing them until you feel comfortable with that. And then here's the skinny that's eight inches wide and here's the skinny that's six inches wide. And here's the one that's four inches wide. And here's the one that's that's over a, a hole in the ground. You know, like that would be like awesome, an awesome place to go. To really be able to work on your skills, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, like... go ahead.
1: There are like so many things. Like, um, I brought Haley to a skate park last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I took going down a steep roll in for granted because, like, you know, I've I done it a million times. But um, if you've never done one before, it's really scary. So, yeah, you well, know, just having a few roll ins pro- that get progressively steeper and steeper and then. Maybe as we get towards the like bigger, like steeper ones, now we can start adding some, uh, you know, think about adding some unevenness to them. And then maybe there's a way we can add in some off-camber in a way that the progression makes sense. Um, Yeah, There are lots of interesting things I would like to try to help kind of like help people progressively push their skills so they're not just sink or swim
0: yeah you know there's a lot of bike parks around but they're basically you know like pump tracks so there's not really usually maybe there's a feature or two in them that'll be some kind of skills thing but for the most part like i really like what you're saying man would you build it there in uh new england or
1: i i mean yeah i mean i'd like to be because I'd, I'd like to stay close to home um yeah uh i don't know business wise, if that n- would necessarily make sense. But there's a lot of people who come from like uh, Montreal, Boston, New York mm-hmm. to this area. So um, I I don't think it w- almost anywhere in the like northern part of New England, that would be a bad area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, you know, some parts of Vermont have very or no, Vermont in general is kind of hard to uh, do business in in many ways because Mm -hmm. especially if you're doing any kind of development on land there's something called act 250 which is Mm -hmm. what kingdom trails is uh kind of going through whereas if you're doing something for commercial reasons on property um the state has to come out and do this whole survey uh to see how it's going to impact and like whether you're building a you know 80 uh story high-rise or you're building a mountain bike trail it has to go through the same vetting process and it's kind Mm -hmm. of it's
0: uh it's a lot
1: it's a lot and um actually one of the things that i um is uh the vermont mountain bike association is trying to um help reward the way that that um amendment law whatever it's called is written to you know give mountain biking a little bit better of a separation because you know the, the impact of a little skinny mountain bike trail and a giant sky rise or high rise are two different things.
0: Right. They're worlds apart. That's crazy. So I cut you off when you were saying, you know, that you wanted to do the the building. How did that tie into the channel, like the future of the channel?
1: So if you go back to my earlier videos, I was doing a lot of building. Mm-hmm. Um, And the thing is like, I've never had my own, piece of property. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never had my own place to I've always built on other people's property. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, um, it's not your property. So you have to build for other people. Mm-hmm. I would like to have my own piece of property to kind of do what I want. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I think any kid who grows up as a mountain biker has that dream. Yeah. Um, and so before skills with Phil, that was a huge part of my life. And Mm -hmm. it's been something that I wanted to share. Um, In the meantime, every other channel is doing it. So uh, (laughs) it's like, well, crap, like, you know, I I don't want to just be another building channel. So I don't, I don't think you're going to see that on skills with Phil. I think what I'm going to end up doing is do a whole nother channel related to more, building stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I make no promises, but, um, you know, in my head, that's kind of what I'm going with.
0: Yeah. If you could um, snap your fingers and be really good at anything else in life, like tomorrow, what would, what would it be?
1: Communicating.
0: Yeah. Just, that's it. You don't feel like you're a good communicator.
1: No, no. Um, I, I feel like in the right, when I'm in the right mindset, I can articulate. All right. But, Mm -hmm. Um, you, you know how you meet someone who's charismatic and mm-hmm. they just somehow are able to really communicate their thoughts with ease, and mm-hmm. I don't feel like that at all. Yeah. And you know, as much as like people, some people like to relate to people who are a little bit more, um, uh, I guess less perfect, mm-hmm. there's a certain point where like you listen to Elon Musk talk, and it's like what are you trying to say? The guy is brilliant, but his thoughts aren't coming out. And I like, yeah. I'm not going to compare myself to Elon Musk. Cause I'm definitely not. <laughs> um, but I actually, when I hear him talk, I'm like, wow, I feel like that's how I sound. Yeah. Uh, and so, but then you go and you hear someone like Steve jobs talk. Um, mm-hmm. obviously he's not talking anymore, but like when right. he, talked, he, he had a way of presenting information, that made sense Uh and it i wish i had that
0: yeah well apparently you're doing something right man you got a couple hundred thousand followers on youtube so you're probably a a little Yeah, probably a little better at communicating than you think (laughs) i
1: I have to spend a lot of time thinking about how to phrase something so it makes sense because i can't do it off the cuff
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that fortunately I'm good at, but you know, sometimes it's a pain in the ass too. You know, I've been purposely like when I started my channel, I wanted to just be like, get out in front of the camera and talk. And, and like, I never wrote a script. I never did any voiceovers and like, I just wing it, you know, and like this, like, I don't write down any questions or anything like that. I just kind of go as I go. But, um, I feel like whenever I started taking the time to actually think about that stuff that, you know, it's changed my quality a lot, you know, regardless of whether or not I am good at just speaking off the cuff, like maybe there was a little too much confidence there too, because once I started writing out a script and all of a sudden my videos started doing better, it's like, okay, well, well, I guess that means something. (laughs) So I don't know. I think we all have our our own way of doing things, you know. And I think you just gotta do what works with works best for you.
1: I mean, I'm not sure if I would be where I am if I wasn't presented with that challenge. But it's definitely uh. something I wish uh, I was better at.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I hear you there. I think, yeah, yeah. Did you ever think your channel was gonna have a couple hundred thousand? What are you at right now? Like three something, three twenty five, something like that.
1: 375. I think I'll almost four. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I I don't know. Like, I, I, I remember when I got my first thousand subscribers, I was like, or even a hundred. I was like, holy crap. Like, um, and that, like, there's like a, that number is like what a thousand meant back then. Mm -hmm. Um, with inflation means a lot more than what a thousand means now. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't think, you know, if someone told me that I'd have a hundred thousand subscribers, I would say no way. Like there's not enough mountain bikers. Like no one had a smartphone. So yeah. or, no, or I mean, very few people had smartphones. So not that there's many not enough people, people
0: riding that actually watch YouTube. You would think. Yeah. You
1: know? And then once, you know, everyone had a smartphone, people watching YouTube exploded. Like it was second nature.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do on the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, it's crazy to me, man. Like, honestly, like I, I've been doing it a while. My, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like locally successful. I'm definitely not like successful in any other manner than that. So like those numbers that you guys have just seem, you know, so far out of reach to me, but who knows, you know, maybe I just keep plugging away at it. Do you got any advice advice for people that are starting out?
1: It's, it's, it's getting tougher and tougher. Um, Yeah. That's and it so it's definitely hard to you you need to see a niche of something that needs to be filled or something that's lacking when i started on youtube there's no mountain bike content so Mm -hmm. or there is very little mountain bike content um and so i tried to fill that Mm -hmm. and so that brought in i'm not tooting my own horn because there's more than Myself who brought in mountain bike yeah, to yeah. YouTube, um, that brought in an audience, and as that audience gets bigger, the needs uh, gets more diversified. You have mm-hmm. people who just want to know about uh, how to work on their bike. You have people who want to learn how to build. You have people who uh, want to see how long brake pads actually last. Like th- these things, yeah. um, there 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 become more and more needs for to be fulfilled. Uh, yeah, um, to have fulfilled. Um, so it, you just have to be observant and think to yourself, what is missing that you want? Um, mm-hmm. That's, I guess, the best piece of advice. Um, yeah. It, It's a lot of people say, like, you got to grind it out. And uh, there definitely is a lot of grinding. Um, and I've also made a point to make sure that i'm not sacrificing the quality of life for uh my work Um, yeah i was
0: just gonna ask you that how you balance between because now this is your full-time job you don't have school anymore it's like just doing youtube like i could see easily getting sucked into that because there's like there's not like ever you're done you know like like you finish a video but you're already having to like next one or like oh i could do more content in in a week or so it's like how do you balance that and then also you know like a personal life you know
1: yeah and i've tried to do for me like i'm a mountain biker um and i need to go on rides uh i know some of my fellow creators who don't ride that much and um that's something i cannot sacrifice i can I have to ride, it makes me happy. If I'm not happy, what you're seeing is gonna suck.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Um, and I, you know, I think about things as I'm riding and kind of like, huh, that's that might be an interesting way to explain this as I'm hitting a giant gap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not really, but um, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Uh it's one of the things where mountain biking is very therapeutic. It's like my personal identity, it's my social mm-hmm. life. So that has to be all right before my work is all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I think my channel has been kind of uh, I haven't been super excited about my channel, you know, I've been putting out content. I was really happy with my buddy hop video. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like one of the videos I've been like more happy with in with in a long time. And then a lot, but there's stuff that I want to do that. I feel like due to living in a one bedroom apartment has been rather challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that will be changing, but who knows? I, I've, I'm not uh, a stranger to the fact that it's, there's a lot of wishful thinking. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I like think things are going to get better. And then you kind of revert to your old habits.
0: Yeah. Sometimes life likes to smack you in the face too, Yeah. (laughs) So so basically what you're saying is you're going to buy another castle like Seth and you're going to start building trails. Not quite. <laughs> but you're uh, not getting a cat, a Seth Castle. <laughs> I wish, man. Like that that place is sweet. Um, yeah, that's pretty sick, dude. It's definitely uh pretty cool, and you know, like what he's done with the property too is pretty pretty entertaining.
1: If you get a chance to go, uh, it, it's it's cool, and like you know, just watching his videos, like you know, his. Not only can he tell a good story, but like what he's done from like since the beginning to where it's gone now it's pretty incredible
0: yeah yeah i know it was super fun talking to him that was kind of a fanboy experience for me i don't normally get nervous when i talk to people and um i mean i've had some pretty big companies on the show in the past and like i don't typically get nervous but i was definitely nervous when i had him on like i was like don't fuck this up don't say the wrong thing you know like luckily he's a pretty easy person to talk to yeah yeah no definitely He's got a poker face though. Cause there's some times where I'm like, I don't know. I can't tell if he's like digging what I'm saying. And then he would answer and I'd be like, okay, I get it. But it's like, his like, I'm listening to you. Face is like, I don't know if I'm in trouble or not right now. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, what, uh, so you're working with GT. What, what kind of, what kind of bike are you riding right now? So lately I've been riding,
1: the gt sensor which is their short travel 29 inch bike which is you know my first 29er um mm-hmm. my whole life i've been on uh you know 26 or 27 so um you kind of paint this image in yourself uh in your head you like oh i don't ride 29 so for me to like jump over to a t- 29er was like kind of like breaking that but I, I wanted to i wanted to like get out of a rut and try yeah. something different um, what
0: was it that did it for you? I, I can tell you right now, I was the same way. Like, 27.5 is like good for me. I don't want to. Every time I wrote a 29er, I didn't like how it kind of like took you through the trail instead of you like putting it through the trail. And when I got my chameleon, it was like the first time I ever wrote a 29er that like had really great like action, so to speak. You, you know what I mean? Like, it was like actually kind of flickable and like I didn't feel like it was telling me where to go
1: yeah so, and it changed
0: my mind you know totally changed my opinion
1: so one of the reasons is i i wanted a shorter travel bike mm-hmm. uh and the sensor was the sensor and the force are very very similar bikes if you look at mm-hmm. the geometry the numbers they share a lot of the same qualities Yeah. um but the force is a lot it's 27.5 and a little bit bigger in terms of travel great mm-hmm. bike i love it but um my most of my rides I don't need that much travel.
0: Yeah. I feel like so many people are ever gunned. I th-
1: I think there's a place for that. I think yeah. uh, it helps with confidence when going over sketchy uh, features. There's more cushion. Like, in terms of, like, there's more margin of error. Mm-hmm. It'll get you out of a lot uh, more tricky situations. Yeah. Um, where I, like, I really like to focus on precision. And yeah. I find a smaller bike lets me really practice like you know make not necessarily practice but like I have to be very accurate with my wheel placement.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. i I can a hundred percent agree with you. I've been right when I bought my chameleon, it's a hard tale in case you didn't know um like I uh honestly bought it for content on the channel. I was like oh this would be cool I can like buy the bottom of the line bike and I can show people how it upgrade it and I'll have this other bike to ride and yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? And and realistically, I didn't think that it was going to be the bike. Like I am struggling to take my full suspension bike out unless I'm going somewhere <laughs> like super gnarly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm riding places that are pretty gnarly. So it's not like it's like I'm I'm riding all like just smooth, Burmy trails, you know, it's like rocky, chunky stuff I'm doing. But it's I think it's because of like what you said. It's like I have more to think about. I have like, it feels better whenever I make it through something crazy complicated and I'm like, Oh wow, dude, I totally did that. You know, I think that the shorter travel bikes are going to make a comeback personally.
1: Yeah. I, well, going back to the short travel thing that you're talking about, um, you, it feels like you're going faster when you're on a short travel bike. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can get the sense of going fast in a safer environment. Cause you're not, you might not be going quite as fast. Mm-hmm. So if you do crash, you're not going to get as hurt. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, it's a kind of a natural limiting uh, factor to, you know, prolong how long you're riding for, um, you know, in the big picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if that makes sense. So yeah, no, I
0: totally hear what you're saying, man. I think that, you know, whatever makes you get out and ride, right? You know, sure. and so but I, I definitely I've been enjoying the hell out of it. I, I can't talk well enough about like somebody getting a shorter travel or a hardtail and just like it'll it's like a whole new experience of riding again, you know, and it's just for me, it's been so much fun. It's like I, I think about all the people I talked out of their hardtail into getting like a full suspension bike. And in some cases, the full suspension is definitely the way to go. Like in a lot of cases, it's the way to go. I think, especially for like, I don't know, man, it's kind of a toss up. Would you say you think it's better for somebody to have a hard tail to start or a full suspension? Cause the full suspension will give you the confidence when you're screwing up.
1: Yeah. Well, I usually look at it in terms of budget. Yeah. What you can get for your money. So hard tails are better in that sense.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, And the other thing that it, there's a lot less to man- maintain on the hardtail. Um, Like, you spend so much time digging around with a bike, trying to maintain it. Um, that if you can remove the rear linkage, mm-hmm. uh, to try to like, you know, now you're not spending that time figuring out why it's squeaking or why right, it, it right. these or whatever. Uh, you can just go out and ride and yeah. that's more important. Like you're not spending time researching like, Oh, what, uh, where, where do I buy? du you, bushings? What kind of hardware yeah. do I need for my shock? Like, um, But in terms of, you know, if I told people what to start out to ride, I would probably tell people to start out with like a full rigid or BMX or something. But, um, you know, I think most people would just want an easy way into the sport and I can't blame them. So full suspension, is a very safe way to get into the sport.
0: Yeah. It definitely makes up for a lot of mistakes, you know, but I don't know if it always teaches you the best bike handling skills like that's the thing where like the the hardtail will like it'll teach you how to take lines because Mm -hmm. you have to you know what i mean like like you have to you can't just go like bulldoze into a rock garden like you have to like hey i need to go this way and this way and this way or that thing's gonna throw me off you know
1: yeah i mean it really depends on the person i think there are some people who will be able to pick up how to ride a full suspension and learn how to like ride really well and there's some people who will will always just be a passenger um, and there's no other way around it um, <laughs> so like some people are just more natural learners and yeah, yeah I hear you there
0: I definitely hear you there well man dude we're we're like right at the two hour mark right now dude I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and hanging out with us it's definitely been super fun chatting with you just like last time we chatted or every time we bump into each other somewhere it's it's always a good time anything you want to say to anybody on the way out
1: uh man i i i hate these because like i'm always like crap i need to thank my sponsors motor company like like you know
0: like the the hot ones this this camera this camera this camera (laughs) you promote your new movie
1: and and then you try to go like all right i'll go with the nonchalant way of like answering this like you know you know just thanks for watching like
0: right (laughs) Uh-huh. it's cool you don't you don't need to have one dude i can take it from there i i really appreciate you coming on dude like i said it's super fun chatting with you I'm, I'm curious to hear what the uh the little nugget of surprise that you were holding on to earlier so people are gonna have to keep an eye on your channel for that <laughs> one um i do want to like like get all you guys to, to take a chance to check out project 321 i'm serious if you're looking at building some new wheels they're great hubs um super impressed with them and like i said there's that discount that i talked about so do that if you want a bigger discount you can actually join my patreon i got a bigger discount than what i was talking about earlier outside of that tasco thanks a lot for sending us some stuff that was pretty cool i um I'm I'm anxious to try the gloves out. They actually sent me a size small smaller too. I can give them to the lady to see how she feels about it. Maybe <laughs> I'll ch- chat about that on on the channel somewhere along the line. Um, if you guys haven't hit the subscribe button, please do it, man. I'm I'm dead serious, dude. I need to get to a thousand so I can get YouTube famous. I'll, the dump truck <laughs> load of money comes in. Everything's gonna be good from there on out. I swear. Uh, please do that. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button if if I made you laugh once. You know if you want to hit the dislike button hit it twice that's fine with me um (laughs) (laughs) uh, outside of that next week man uh, we're going to change gears a little bit not going to be a youtuber i'm going to have uh somebody from envy on so we're going to be talking about carbon hoops and uh how they do business over there so i think it's going to be a super interesting conversation so definitely tune in next sunday i think we're going to be going a little early i think it's like 3 p.m instead of 5 p.m because uh people got schedules right so With all that being said, thanks again. Uh, I really appreciate you being here, Phil. Well,
1: thank you. This has been awesome.
0: Right on, man. Hey, everybody out there, remember, it only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one.